Ed, how you doing? Yeah, uh, P. Diddy, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you on. I mean, not the, not, not the first time we've had a rapper on Rankast, but uh, yeah, good to have you here. Well, you know, I mean, uh, there was talk of me buying Crystal Palace, uh, but instead I've chosen to buy Manchester United. Uh, no, no, it's not P. Diddy, it's me, Paul. Hello. Paul Diddy. <laughs> Oh, man. P. Diddy is a weird name for a rapper. But anyway, moving swiftly along. Kenny Dalgleish, K. Diddy. He he came back to Old Trafford and, lo, he was defeated by Sir Alex of Ferguson. A, a marvellous result, a terrible game, and easily, without a shadow of a doubt, my least favourite fixture of the season. Yeah, um, well, I mean, it's one of my favourites normally, and uh, he certainly... They win, but you know, I, I know where you're coming from. I think uh, I think Liverpool got what uh, they expected, really, which was a defeat. And given this is Liverpool's worst side in a generation, probably worst side since Kenny Dalglish was last manager, and that's uh, 20 years ago. And 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 of course, United were. Lucky on the big decision, I suppose. Um, some referees might not have sent Gerard off, although I think it's perfectly fair. I was a bit annoyed by Jim Begling moaning constantly for the next hour about it. Uh, yeah, that's ex-Liverpool defender Jim Beglin. And I suppose the, the penalty was on the soft side. But, but again, debatable. <laughs> Oh, the penalty was on the soft side. <laughs> Listen, the the red card debate, I, I genuinely, uh, please educate me, but I do not understand why it's a debate. Two feet off the ground, studs up. Yeah. One of the feet landed itself in Michael Carrick's ankle. That's a shocking, horrible, leg-breaking challenge, a red card every single time. And, and the fact that it's even being discussed seems to me because, A, I don't know, some residual Stephen, Stephen Gerrard approval um that you know people like Steven Gerrard in the in the media or whatever so so it's so that's happening all because Jim Beglin was the, the co-commentator and banged on for an hour about how it was a yellow card i mean the idea of giving a yellow card for that challenge seems mm. seems completely insane to me now the penalty the penalty is debatable i i saw it from whatever five or six angles that they played it from there's really only one angle that it looks like a penalty from and that's the angle howard webb was looking Looking at it, um, as as Gareth Southgate um, said on ITV, the the Aga has made a terrible mistake giving the referee a decision there because he can just leave Berbatov alone. Um, Somebody tweeted at uh, Jacob Steinberg, the Guardian journalist who retweeted it, saying it's just an example of when it's actually right to dive because diving shows the referee the foul. I I think one assessment. Yeah, I think it was it was a soft penalty. There's no doubt about it. There is an angle from which it looks like Berbatov's foot kind of lands on Aga's as Aga swings his leg round, and Berbatov's got his angle. Um, got his ankle uh, off the ground but but the, the, there are plenty of other angles where it looks like there's there's just some light leg to leg contact which is absolutely not enough to make it a penalty but whatever Giggsy put it away absolutely beautifully I thought yeah given he'd missed the last one uh, um, but yeah I, look, I, I think I don't think there was an injustice done in the the, the final results of that game and the final analysis uh, United were clearly superior and, and Liverpool I think even if they hadn't had a mentor they sent off uh, would have done very little to try and force the game they were there not to lose 
and um, yeah, what what serious chances did they truly create? So I don't think there was a massive injustice. Uh, yes, soft penalty, and I, I agree with you. I don't think there's any debate about the red card at all. And I think Gerard gets away with far too many. Maybe that's why there's the debate. He's a uh, he's Teflon Gerard, isn't he? Um, you know, given that he's he's uh, he's allowed by Her Majesty's court service to beat the crap out of people because they won't play Phil Collins, um, you know, I guess he gets away with far too much. So uh, he he'll get a three week game ban. I think that's well justified. Uh, that's exactly the kind of tackle that that the authorities want to stamp out because that does injure players. And and I think Carrick was very lucky. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I mean, Carrick looked like he was in absolute agony. And and to bring out the very very exhausted the tired cliche that's the exhausted cliche Michael Carrick is not that sort of player he doesn't writhe around in agony when he's when he's not in pain uh, professional sort of lad it would appear um I have to say that there's, there's a number of things I want to say about this I hate that fixture I hate it there, there was a close-up of a Liverpool fan um young lad must have been I don't know late teens early 20s and he was just shouting Munich 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 mm. Um, well, in fact, it wasn't just individuals. It was, a, it was there was a whole group on it. That yeah. oh yeah, I'm sure. But it, there was just a particular close up of it, and and obviously that's that's disgraceful and horrible and and inhuman. All the worst things about our society, kind of you know, put there right there in close up on television. A very strange decision by the ITV director. I don't know whether he actually knew what was going on, the ITV director, or I mean, you you have to imagine he he did because he stayed on that shot a long time. I know. I think I think it's fine to show that. I think, and 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 uh, let me not pretend I've got red tint- tinted specs on here. Well, although I do, you know, generally walk around with them. Um, uh, you know, and 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 of course, uh, you'd be right to point out that that um, the massive United so- uh, fans are singing the murderer yeah. song, and and it happens, and it, that is equally distasteful to the thirty-nine families of the people who died at High Saw and and, um, and Hillsborough. And, and Hillsborough, yes, I'm not actually sure that's about that, uh, by the way. But um, in fact, I'm I'm pretty sure it's not. I I don't I don't think I don't think you can say that. I think I think it's about the reputation of Liverpool fans as being a you know killers that and and that was born not just of Heysel but of Hillsborough as well. I mean, I uh, you know it's a very thin argument, you know. Yeah, well, erroneously, and if, if Liverpool fans were, were not to blame at Hillsborough, and uh, I don't think anyone actually believes that, and I hope they don't. Absolutely. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I, but I don't know actually in terms of the the actual editorial of that, I think it's good to show it up. And and one thing I do take do take seriously is is the media coverage of United fans, and and there's been a lot of media coverage of United fans singing uh, the Arsene Wenger song, and and uh, some of this not as much. I mean, mainly in the Liverpool press, and, and very little the other way around. And, and not that I think there's a somehow a, a bias there, but I just think that I know how the media works, right? I've worked in that community for a very long time and that's the story um, and 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 I do think it was right of ITV to highlight both sides and that the, the sound wasn't turned down you could hear the, the United fans singing and um, I suppose I, I got to uh, experience that because I wasn't at the game uh, this time around but but I, I think it's important to show all sides and I, I have to say I do I do find it a bit grating sometimes when every time the Arsenal game comes around there's a lot of stories about United fans singing this paedophile song which which is extremely distinct 
distasteful, but the, the club have gone to such lengths to try and stamp it out, and, and it's distasteful, and it's not very nice for Arsene Wenger, uh, obviously, but I, I do think only one side of that story is sometimes told. So, you know, that's a very long, rambling answer uh, to your bit about the ITV editorial decision there, but, but in, in, in short, I thought that was a good one. The paedophilia is much more of a story than murder. It's, it's a, a kind of sad state of affairs, but the tabloid, I mean, we have listeners in other countries. Um, hey, hello, folks. But it, here in England, uh, the tabloid press are, a, a particular faction of the tabloid press are basically obsessed with paedophilia. It's a, it's a paper seller. It's, it's a really sick situation that, that we find ourselves in. And so that becomes more of a story. I think actually it has nothing to do with it being Manchester United. I really genuinely think it's to do with the, 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 the topic of, of the type of abuse. There's very little media coverage of of Arsenal fans hissing at Spurs games. I've got to say, I find that really, really sick. But the the, the Holocaust is not a story. That's I mean, it's 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 got nothing to do with the affiliation of the clubs. It's to do with what they find interesting. Oh no, sure, absolutely, absolutely, and that's why that's why I preface this by saying I, I don't think it's a, an issue of bias. I, I think it's to do with the way the media works, and and that's uh, about the stories that, that that are on the agenda at any one particular time. But what one thing I had, sorry, last last soapboxy point about this subject, the one thing I find incredibly distasteful is United fans taking massive offence at Liverpool fans singing Munich and responding by singing Murderers. It's just like, you, you, you lose the right to be offended at that point because you're just joining in with the whole sorry spectacle. Yep, yep, uh, I, I, don't, I don't disagree, yeah. But the, the game, we should have put them to bed, that's a weird way of putting it, we should have, we should have been up by a few goals. Uh, we, we didn't look great. Just, just make sure you wear protection if you do that, Paul. Oh, dear. Um, Edward, we want to keep our clean tag, surely. Um, <laughs> that's that's not a nice image. But yeah, we, we, we should have won that game much more comfortably than we did. And the fact that it was only 1-0 meant that, you know, in that last minute, a lucky corner or unfortunate bounce or something, and we find ourselves in the position we did in the game away at Birmingham City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, just didn't kill them all. I mean, United, uh, sorry to use a cliche, didn't get out of third gear did they it was uh, and 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 uh, i do i do it's, it's interesting because united at the top of the league fourth round in the fa cup knockout stage in the champions league uh, on the face of it everything looks rosy but we're still not very good it's we, there's no two, we're just not you know you, you called liverpool the, the worst liverpool team in 20 years and we're definitely not that at united because that kind of cleberson era to give it a little you know easy the jemba jemba era shall we say that there was definitely a worse united team in there and this team has an enormous amount of promise I think still, but but yeah, it's it's we, we still don't. We've hardly been good all season, and it is a reflection of two things. One, Sir Alex Ferguson is an extraordinary manager. You know, it, it, it just time and time again, whatever you think about him, the the will to win that is instilled in in team after team after team is extraordinary. And the other factor is that the Premiership is just the lowest standard it's been for many years. Yes, yes, and that's keeping us in it. Not just it's not just keeping us in it. It's keeping us romping it yeah, you know yeah. we, this this we're in an incredible position at, at this stage of the season and and one thing of course uh, totally beating you to the punch here one thing that could strengthen both the quality of our performances on the pitch and the quality of the premiership in general is the january transfer window let's talk transfers that i think it's, it's a good it's a good uh, it's a good start i mean of course ferguson has, has said well he's, he's had mixed messages so far hasn't he uh, definitely not doing any business he's, he's said that more than once and then he said i would really like to bring in at least one player and, and I think... <laughs> 
<laughs> those are those two things. Someone needs to sit him down and go, look what you said there, and look what you said there. Those things are opposite, Sir Alex. Yes, well, uh, we we are used to this with Sir Alex, of course. I, I guess if if United uh, was to bring in one player, uh, almost all United fans would suggest it would be a central midfielder. Uh, I think is that right? An attacking central midfielder, yes. Right, yes. I, I think in the continued absence of Paul Scholes, brilliant as he is, and and of course you know the changing nature of Scholes' role over the last sort of three or four years, and that's the that's the bit that's missing in the United squad. And then Ferguson spoke recently about Anderson becoming that. I, I personally don't think he has the tools to become that. I think he has the tools to become a very, very good player indeed, but but perhaps not the, uh, as the Italians like to call it, the tricarista or the, the playmaker, the number 10, the fantasista, whatever you want to call them, and just, just missing from the United squad at the moment. And I think everyone would like to see a really top quality player come in in that position. Can we have Kaka? Yeah, well, I think it's unlikely. I mean, he actually played last night, of course. He came on for the last sort of 15 minutes against um, against Atletico Madrid in Copa del Rey, and uh, he did all right. He did all right. I mean, uh, Madrid won the game 3-1 in the end, and, and they, they they shifted Mesut Ozil out, out of the playmaker role and put him up front, which they've actually done on quite a few occasions. I mean, he's such a fluid player anyway. He can play almost anywhere, and he doesn't actually really have any kind of fixed role. But Kaka's an interesting position at, at Madrid. I, I, I don't suppose, given the player is nearly 30, uh, just shy of it, and um, on massive wages, and he cost Real Madrid 56 million euros or, or whatever it was. I don't suppose United would be shelling out big money, but he might be available on loan. You never know, although it would seem a surprise. I mean, I, it's almost inconceivable that he'll stay at Real Madrid beyond next summer, I think. Yeah, it's um, it, it would be amazing, but it seems like a very unlikely January transfer, doesn't he? It doesn't seem like the sort of player you would ship out in January. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. I think this is more likely that you might, United might raid the uh, the you know other leagues in Europe and players who perhaps haven't played in the Champions League and, uh, for for a, a a top player. Um, I, I couldn't actually give you a name, though. I don't know of uh, anyone that's that's cropped up uh, enough to to think that it might actually be happening. Of course, Jay did a, did a piece on the website this week. She speculated about who you know which one of four might be, and and uh, Kaká came up on that name along with Ganzo, who's a, a, you know a YouTube favorite Brazilian. Um, aren't they all <laughs> Javier Pastore? I don't actually watch a load of Italian football. I do I do watch some, but I don't watch tons. And I haven't seen this chap a lot. He's the Argentinian playmaker who who is spoken of very very highly. But I don't, I don't think I've actually seen him enough to, to speak with authority. Although I, I, I believe Jay uh, is is a fan. Um, also Kagawa, who's the the uh, incredible Japanese. I mean, again, uh, if you're listening, do a bit of YouTubing on this one because uh, I, I do think he he has the potential to be a really top player as well as a nice marketing tool. You know, that might be able to sell the transfer fee. Now, this 21 year old sort of J- Japanese left footed player who's he's, yeah he's really quick over the ground and just seems to have a very silky touch and scores a ton of goals of course um, being Japanese I'm sorry for the cliche but he is kind of small and that might be an issue in, in the premiership and that, that was um, that was Jay's four options or three options of that anyway however many four I think in total um, so for that I'm not really sure hey Lionel Messi's a bit small and he's alright isn't he yes he is a bit small he's very strong for his size and also he plays in a technical league but um, but then then again you know uh, Paul Scholes is hardly big is he and, and uh, but he, he certainly knows how to handle himself you just dropped in that he plays in a technical league are you on Andy Gray's I'm not sure he could do it away at Stoke on a wet Wednesday night <laughs> camp then I 
<laughs> no, that's not not quite what I meant. But but the 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 adjustment to the Premier League does take some players some surprise. So a, a mid-season signing, you, you normally want some instant gratification from them, don't you? Well, except that there's the other school of thought that says buying a player in mid-season is is brilliant for getting him ready for the following season. I mean, Everett and Vidic, both classic examples of that, had had pretty ropey starts at United, but by the beginning of the following season, they they looked absolutely fantastic. This is very true. This is very true. And 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 I guess one other thing to mention this week, uh, of course, the, the Ballon d'Or was chosen, and uh, Messi won it again from from his partners in crime at Barcelona, Xavi and Andreas Iniesta, and it just it just kind of reminded me, and I had a I had a rare moment of nostalgic sentimentalism. You know, I, I don't like to uh, have that thing you know creep into my writing too often, as as regular readers will know. But um, I just I just thought it just seems wrong that Paul Scholes wasn't up there at some point in his career picking up one of the major awards, you know, PFA, European, Ballon d'Or, whatever, just didn't get the recognition that his uh, his talent deserved. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting one that he, he, it's it's to do with his. My favourite video we talked about YouTube sensations. My favourite video on the whole of YouTube, I think, is the Paul Scholes. Uh, it's called something like Flicks and Passes or something, and it's just six minutes of him passing the ball, uh, and it's mesmerising. It's absolutely stunning, and it's the sort of player he is. He's he, you know he scored incredible blockbuster goals in incredibly important games but he's just such a team player and and as extraordinary as he is that the, the kind of peak of his career he was he was playing in a team with more obviously flashy players around him i guess and and also maybe i don't know just because he's so kind of understated as a, as a man you, you wonder whether that's why he didn't get some of the the, the personal accolades it is true of course he he's received enough quotes over the years to end a career in a in a very glorious fashion it's, it's it's still up in the air whether he'll he'll stay at united beyond the summer i mean it looks like uh, ryan giggs will sign a new contract or at least he's going to be offered one at old trafford that that seems almost certain now uh skulls we don't know yeah i dread to think the idea of paul skulls not playing professional football anymore is uh is a very upsetting one but it comes to everyone i guess in the end doesn't it and and he has had an extraordinary career and he may not have won the ballon d'or but but the best player of his generation said he was the best player he'd ever played against um so so that that's quite something uh messi deserved winner though no no doubt about that in my mind Yes, I, I wondered whether it would go to Xavi for, for the same sort of reasons, really, the sentimentalism and, and or Andrea uh, Iniesta for, for his sort of World Cup performance. Although, in all honesty, I don't think Iniesta's year, aside from the World Cup win, has been that brilliant. He spent a lot of it injured. And, and Xavi has actually spent a lot of the back end of the year injured as well and, and struggling to get through matches. So uh, on a, any kind of objective level, uh, Messi was the best player in the world this year. Yeah, absolutely. You think Cristiano Ronaldo's really annoyed he's not in the top three? Any level Ronaldo goes to, he just keeps increasing it. And he's been a stunning. I mean, the hat trick he scored last week for Real Madrid was just amazing. I mean, given how how rubbish Madrid actually were, and and he won that game for them on on the, on his own, and he keeps doing that. Yeah, most destructive player you've ever seen. I believe that's the official rant. He, he might never have been called the best player he'd ever played against by Zidane, but but he has the the rant cast honor of most destructive player in the world. There you go. I'm sure I'm sure he'll um, probably write that on the mirror so he can see it every morning and. He 
evening and daytime and yeah <laughs> yeah because man spends a lot of time in front of the mirror is that what you're trying to say something something like that yeah talking of talk talking of uh, people in football that spend a lot of time in front of the mirror every day uh, we go to Tottenham to play Harry Redknapp's Spurs side no, that doesn't work does it that just does not work I, I would hope that Harry's not looking him, at himself in the mirror a lot I mean it's not a pretty sight is it in his large mansion in uh, just outside of Bournemouth I don't, I don't know whether you've ever been to Sandbanks it's uh, an interesting part of the world where um, where it's, it's I think it's one of the most expensive plots of land in the entire world something like that that's where in Bournemouth you, you wouldn't think you wouldn't guess that Bournemouth was the place would you no no that's where Harry has a big house though uh, although I'm, yeah, I'm sure he has one near uh, Tottenham's training ground which is uh, um, north of London we're going to beat him then I'm nervous Ed it's a big game we need the three points it's a really big game and I, I, I'd say it's United's biggest test of the season so far and, and Spurs um, to use the football parlance on their day can beat anyone and uh, as we've seen uh, they've put in some stunning performances mainly in the Champions League I'd say they've been a bit inconsistent in, in uh, the Premier League and, and I'm sure the two things are connected in fact so yeah it's going to be a really tough game uh, one thing you'd say in United's favour is that, that, that Spurs are an open side so United will have a chance uh, I expect us to be pretty cautious though don't you I, I yeah, Rooney's back there Ferguson's got to be tempted just to play the one up front and that would mean Berbatov back on the bench which is a shame for him of course I mean we're always cautious aren't we we're just we're not always but but unless we're playing much much smaller sides the Carling Cup or whatever um, United are a pretty cautious side and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Berbatov on the bench I mean what, one, one thing Berbatov's played an awful lot hasn't he you know he's had a lot of games and, and he's a pretty heavy smoker so <laughs> he needs a rest from time to time well he, he does most of his resting on the pitch of course there was a wonderful moment in the Liverpool game oh I enjoyed it really very much indeed Berbatov quite literally walks from the sort of he's, he's got the ball on the touchline he gives it away and he literally walks towards the edge of the penalty area I thought it was magic yes yeah. why, why break a sweat if you don't need to yeah, exactly he's conserving energy for when he needs it that's his whole that's his whole thing Thing. But yeah, I, I mean, he's of course ex-Tottenham, and uh, it would be a shame for him not to get a chance against his his old club. But 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 yeah, as you say, uh, one up front seems to be the order of the day in the big games. Although it does it does seem like if you if you any of the other sort of top five or six teams in the Premier League, uh, you might assume one up front. But against Tottenham, is that even the way to go? Aren't we best to sort of go hammer and tongs with them and just try and score one more than they do? Maybe, but I, I, I just don't see it. I, I just don't see that's the, the way United play. I, I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll go for caution. We'll, we'll try and soak up what they've got and, and, and we'll try and beat them that way. Of course, I think, I think we had a very similar conversation at the end of last season when United were playing Tottenham then and, and we were saying what a big game it would be. And, and in the end, Tottenham were a bit disappointing, weren't they? So, I mean, I do hope it turns out that, uh, you know, United will just manage to, manage to do the same thing this time around. I worry about their midfield though. I mean, they, on paper, have a, very very good midfield don't they Tottenham and, and, and you know Bale and Lennon giving loads of width Van der Waal Vart will probably just play just, just behind Defoe or Crouch I guess and Modric and Huddleston and it's just it's a very powerful outfit that and you've got to say that's better than United's midfield yeah absolutely and it's it's you know I mean we, we talked about this either early in this season or, or last season this is certainly the closest United and Tottenham have ever been in quality or well, not ever but, but, but in the in 
in recent yes. years. And I just wonder whether United know how just just uh, just comes out a little bit more, and and that's why we have a few more points than they do, and we're just you know a bit more used to playing the, the Saturday, Wednesday Champions League, Premier League thing, and and uh, players with the, the experience to, to pull off the results in the big games. Yeah, takes a bit of getting used to that, doesn't it? But I think Tottenham are an outfit that are on the up. But my prediction, uh, I'm going to go for an extraordinary 3-2 victory with a Berbatov winner in the last minute when he comes off the bench. Uh, that's that's my prediction. Good, good. I I, I think it will be pretty tight, actually. I, despite the uh, the reputation of, of both sides being attacking, I, I actually think uh, Harry might rein it in a bit. I think he'll play five in midfield and there'll be five for United and it'll be quite tight and I think we'll win 1-0. I, I was going to go with 1-0, but then I thought, no, no, I, I, I'd like to enjoy my Sunday afternoon. So three, three, two it is. So I guess that's it for another episode of the Rankcast. Thank you very much indeed for listening. I, I definitely wanted to give a shout out to uh, a couple of people who very kindly had put a review, the iTunes podcast store. That's um, good. Alpha RS, thank you very much indeed. He, he said that his review on the 29th of November deserved a shout out on the next Rankcast. I hope he wasn't so disappointed that he stopped listening and also uh, Jamie White so thank you very much indeed for those that they're really helpful to us what score did we get uh, five stars five stars five, five stars, stars. Wow. we've had three how much did that cost us We've again? We've had three reviews, uh, four reviews, and they're all five stars. One, wow. one of them's me, so uh, <laughs> I don't think that counts, but but yeah. I, I might go in and give us the two stars just to even <laughs> it out a little bit. I think that's very reasonable and perhaps more mathematically accurate. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's twitter.com slash utdrantcast, and you can follow Ed at, at UnitedRant. Of course, check out all the vast amounts of high-quality deconstructive analysis kicked out every week by Ed, and... Uh, uh, others unitedrant.co.uk uh, and also you can like him on facebook if you want to well you can if you really want yeah that was a lot of plugs wasn't it a lot of plugs in in, in a short space of time but uh, for another week uh, thank you very much for being with us i uh, let's hope we have a great result this weekend certainly was a great result last weekend uh, despite the performance and you know united to go to white hart lane get a result stay top of the league and we're still on track we're going to win the league ed it's really exciting it's, it's in the stars i think all right goodbye see you next week